You are listening to a multi-part teaching series on the gifts from God as it pertains to the body of Christ. These were recorded during our weekly Rescue Church Life Group meetings. All right. So we are in part four of a five-part uh, situation here, and we're going to go into 1 Corinthians chapter 14 today. And tonight we're going to be speaking about tongues and spiritual gifts and prophecy and edification and getting built up, building yourself up and building others up. All right. So verse one says, pursue love and desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. One of the things that I have seen uh, just with young people in my own journey is you get hungry for the Lord and you read the Bible and, and it stirs faith in you. And you are hungry then to see what the Bible actually says. And so this is this is a good thing. And God uses this hunger to produce a willingness in you. So you're seeking after God and you're seeking after the things of God. And God meets you in unique, specific uh, and powerful ways. But one of the one of the kind of like uh, cautions is when people begin to pursue gifts instead of pursue God. And the thing that I've learned is that when I pursue love, spiritual gifts pursue me. And if I am preoccupied with loving someone and showing someone the love of God, the love of Christ, the love of his people, if we are trying to communicate that to other people, then when we're moving in God's love, we have access to God's power. And I think that this is a very important truth because I think many times we seek power to try to communicate love instead of seeking love and then demonstrating power. And it's kind of like priorities that are out of order and misguided. And it's God uses the hunger in there. Um, but one of the things that has to happen with hunger is it has to be sifted of selfish ambition because it's very easy to think you're hungry for God. But what you're hungry for is God to bless your ministry, God to bless your life. And, and it's not really loving uh, for the purpose of the other being edified and encouraged. And um, I went through the shift in my life, too, where you start to love people more than what you're saying. And when you love people more than what you're saying, you then have the power to hold your tongue, even sometimes when you really don't want to. And so th this is just part of growing in the Lord. Now, the word pursue love here is pursue agape. Agape is the love that God has uh, richly and generously bestowed upon us. Behold, what manner of the love the Father has lavished upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And so that that agape is the God kind of love. It's the unconditional, no strings attached. And it says pursue it, which is to, to run after it, to chase it. And, and one of the words there is really a fascinating word. It's the word hunt, which means like you, when you're hunting, I don't know if you, if anyone has ever hunted or, um, you know, honestly, if you, you, if you eat meat, then someone has hunted at some point, but, but that means you better go after this thing until you get it. And so pursuing love is, is, is saying to really seek and, and apprehend love, like, like go after love. And then you'll find that gifts will go after you. And this is a really important thing, but especially that you may prophesy for he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God for one understands him, 
for no one rather understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. And so this is laying out clearly that when I speak in tongues, I am speaking mysteries to God. And when you sow mysteries and you speak mysteries, you will reap mysteries. Jesus said this, to you it has been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. Bill Johnson said it this way, that God does not is not hiding things from us, but he's hiding things for us. The proverb says, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it's the honor of kings to search it out. And so there is a seeking and a searching, a pursuing and a pressing in. And so we should pursue love. It doesn't say pursue gifts. It says pursue love, desire gifts. And so that's that's a very important delineation um, where love is the priority, gifts are the expression. I don't I don't know if that's helpful, but that's 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 another way to formulate that the priority is love, but the expression is gifts. And so because let's say you love someone, you buy them a gift and it's not you're buying a gift doesn't prove that you love them. It's an expression of your love for them or your appreciation for them. Okay. Um, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. But he who uh, speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Now, this is very important because in the world that we live in today, everything we encounter in the world, the spirit of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, just the system that is in the world is meant to absolutely break us, to tear us down to rip us away from the relationships that matter, to distract us, to pervert us, uh, and, and to really just rip us apart in, in essence. And so if if everything is trying to pull me away from who and what matters most, why wouldn't I want to speak in tongues and edify myself so that I'm built up on the inside? It's like, spiritually speaking, why wouldn't you want to be a bodybuilder why wouldn't you want to be a power builder? Why wouldn't you want to be strong on the inside when everything in this life is aimed at ripping us apart, tearing us down, and literally destroying our families, our marriages, our lives, our salvation, our sexuality? Even it's so sick and disgusting today, even physical bodies. The, the enemy wants people to mutilate themselves uh, sexually, physically cutting abusive things, uh, self-destruction, all these things that just work death that are always against us. So why wouldn't I want to speak in tongues? To me, it's just, it's like, if, if God is giving me a key here through Paul, why wouldn't I want to take advantage of that? Why wouldn't I want to speak in tongues? Why wouldn't I want to edify myself that I might edify someone else? Because prophecy is edifying the church. But speaking in tongues edifies the individual. But if the individual is not edified, how will the church be edified? It's like if you don't put engine, if you don't put gas and oil in the engine, how do you expect the engine to run? The church is only as strong as its people and its families. So if the people are not edified, how can they edify? If the people are empty, how can they pour out to other people? And, and that's why sometimes church is really frustrating because everyone comes to get filled up instead of everyone coming full. And we went we went over this yesterday and, and there were some people really sharing from their heart and, you know, just being honest about this. But this is this has to be um, just a paradigm shift in our lives 
as it relates to, I'm not just coming to church to get filled up, but I'm coming to overflow on other people. This is a very, very big shift from a one-man show or just a worship team show to the body of Christ coming to contribute to the life of the church as a whole. And when I say contribute, I'm not simply speaking about money. There's a brother who needs to be prayed for. There's a sister who needs to be encouraged. There's a family who needs food. There's someone who needs prayer for healing. There's someone who needs a prophetic word of encouragement. Someone is sitting there listening on the edge saying, God, speak to me. So when the word is preached, it has to be sharp. It has to come forth. So everyone plays a part and plays a role that is significant for the purpose of edifying the body. Verse four. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. Watch this. I wish you all spoke with tongues. Now, anytime something is said to you, you have to consider the source. This is Paul, the apostle. This is a man who took the gospel to the Gentile world. His life ambition was to plant the flag of the lamb in the belly of the beast They told him, you're going to die when you go to Rome. He said, I don't count my life dear unto myself. He wrote more about hope and rejoicing from prison. His back was ripped apart 39 times so that he could keep the testimony of Jesus in the synagogues. He was shipwrecked, stoned, betrayed, forsaken. Every church abandoned him when he was in persecution financially, except the Philippians. He went through hell and back. And this is the type of guy that's telling me, I wish all of you spoke with tongues. So instead of just discrediting it because some people maybe have misrepresented it or maybe you haven't received it or maybe you haven't haven't used it or maybe you don't really understand its value, let's take it at face value and say, look who's saying, I wish that you would all speak with tongues. I mean, to me, you have to you have to absorb that and let that in and let that build faith so that then you can grow into a place of understanding. I wish you all spoke with tongues, but even more that you prophesied. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. And so one of the things that you'll see, and and I will will just share this uh, because this is helpful. Sometimes when you're in a ministry line and you're, you're, you have a ministry prayer line and you don't have a prophetic word and you're speaking over someone in tongues quietly or, or even out loud, but not to make a scene, but just speaking in tongues, you may then eventually get insight and your spirit may know and your mind may know what your spirit is speaking. And you may get an interpretation of that tongue in the form of a prophecy. Watch what he says. For he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues unless he indeed interprets. So it is plausible for the spirit to give someone the interpretation of their own tongues. I gave you one of the ways that gift could operate. It's not the only way. It doesn't mean that if that happens, it's always right. No one is infallible except Jesus. Uh, Nothing is always right except the word of God. But we are here learning to edify each other. And you'll see later in the chapter, he says, I wish all would learn to prophesy. And learning to prophesy means people are going to be making mistakes, which means that people are going to have to be teachable and humble. And it's the job of fathers and mothers and, 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 and leaders to be responsible to manage a mess when a mess comes. But you can't fear a mess. And shut down the move of the spirit simply because you're afraid of a mess. It would be like me never allowing my kids to drink milk because I'm afraid that if they drink milk, 
they're going to spill the milk. And that is, that is not the goal of parenting. The goal of parenting is to provide freedom and opportunity so that growth can happen. And, and so this is just a practical, let me go on um, a little bit more six, but now brethren, I come to you uh, speaking with tongues. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking with tongues, what shall I profit unless I speak to you either by revelation, knowledge, prophesying, or by teaching? So here is four ways in which it is acceptable to communicate within the church gatherings, uh, which is one by revelation, which is what happened on Sunday, by knowledge, which is which is you know biblical knowledge, prophecy, which is is foretelling. Uh, the the future and the things that God is saying. And the other one is obviously by teaching, whether you're applying the word of God or you're just teaching people how um, to be more human from a godly perspective. The, these are um, acceptable ways in which to communicate in the church in terms of the gathering and we as the church just in, in just our, our life. Okay, even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sounds, how will be known what is piped or played? For if the trumpet makes an uncertain sound, who will prepare for battle? And so this is something that, that there has to be when someone is speaking, there has to be clarity. And I people shouldn't be left with, I wonder what he meant or I wonder what he means. There should be a level of clarity, especially if you have a microphone, if you are someone who is influencing people, there has to be understanding and clarity, and it has to be something distinct and clear uh, that is being said. When when I teach people who are learning how to preach, you know how to preach. One of the things I say to them is, you have to know who you're communicating to, what you want to say, how you want to say it, why you want to say it, and make sure now. Uh, when is the time to say it? So that that's just four things to think about as it relates to communicating effectively. That's practical. That's not Bible. That's just me trying to be helpful to those who want to communicate effectively to people. Now, uh, verse nine. So likewise, you, unless you utter by tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be so many kinds of languages in the world and none of them, look at this, None of them is without significance. So because humans were created in the image and likeness of God, whether 30 billion, you know, whether six or four billion people speak a language or only 500 people in a little place speak a language, not any of those languages is without significance because people are significant to God and people are who Jesus suffered for. So their language and their communication is significant to God. And that's something that we should know that God has a value for all peoples. Um, and that's very important. Verse 11, therefore, if I do not know the meaning of the language, I shall be a foreigner to him who speaks and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Even so, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you may seek to excel or you may seek to grow. So the whole purpose here of the spiritual gifts is for the edification and the growth of the church. When the saints are edified and, and healthy and overflowing, the church grows. Here's what people do. We focus on growing the church instead of building a healthy and strong church. 
And then what you have is a big crowd, not a church. And that is not the goal. And that will not last. And that is not what Jesus is saying. What he's saying here is spiritual gifts are for the edification of the church and that the people would seek to grow the church. So first, the people have to grow. Then the corporate expression of the people, which is the church, grows. This is a very important thing because if a whole bunch of people come to a church and you have no leaders, nobody who can cast out demons, nobody who can serve, guess what happens? You have a few people doing all of the work, which is a recipe for those people to want to quit and say, I'm done with these people because this is too much. And that was the warning that Moses' father-in-law gave Jethro that the children of Israel will kill you and you have to get 70 elders and you have to dis displace authority to them and let the elders, let, let those guys handle the little stuff, you handle the big stuff. And that'll keep you from not losing your mind because the children of Israel are more dangerous to your well-being than Pharaoh's army. <laughs> That's another message. But anyway, um, therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. So again, verse 13 is going back to what it says earlier. It is plausible for the person who speaks in tongues to interpret. And one of the things that I would say is that Let's say you're in your house and you're in your secret place and you're crying out to God, worshiping and you're praying and you're speaking in tongues. And then all of a sudden, these thoughts come to your mind with profound clarity. That is probably God giving you an interpretation of those tongues. It's not always like thunder and lightning from heaven and, you know, gold dust falling off your fan and, you know, your lights flickering and God saying, this is me. But many times... We discredit the voice of God, forgetting that we have the mind of Christ. So it's interesting how much attention we give to anxious thoughts and how little attention we give to godly thoughts. But that that is just, we can live above that in Jesus, okay? Now, therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. And I will also pray with the understanding. I will sing with the spirit and I will also sing with the understanding. So he's talking here about singing in tongues, which is a, it's a profound expression of worship. And when you are singing in tongues or even speaking in tongues, as it relates to not speaking in tongues and then for an interpretation, but you are speaking in your prayer language, you are praying in tongues, you are edifying and building up your faith. And what happens is the enemy tries to talk you out of faith by you having, since you have a lack of understanding, he'll try to talk you out of faith. So here's what happens. You're saying, you know, you're speaking in tongues. You're like, da, 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 you're praying. And uh, you, you, then you start saying to yourself, I don't know what I'm saying. This doesn't make sense. Okay. Guess who's talking you out of praying in tongues? The enemy. And the reason the enemy is talking you out of praying in tongues is because what happens is by faith, you understand if you keep building up your faith, you will grow into a place of understanding and you will then have an interpretation for those tongues. And many times the interpretation of those tongues is prophetic because you are speaking mysteries to God, which means you will receive revelation from God, revelation from God concerning the present revelation from God concerning uh, the future and revelation from God concerning misconceptions 
that you had about the past. Without the wisdom of God and without the truth of God, you cannot even see your past correctly. If you do not see your past through the shed blood, you see your craziness, not God's faithfulness, and you're, you're, you are focusing on the wrong message. And so th this is very, very important. Now, when you go into Jude 1 uh, in verse, I'm going to start in uh, 19 and 20. Just give me a second while I turn there. I want to I want to show you something because someone else develops the same idea. And I think that that idea is important for us to uh, understand. So I'll start in verse uh, 19. Yeah, no, I'll start in 20. But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Watch this. Keeping yourselves in the love of God looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So praying in the spirit is building up your most holy faith. That's, that's Jude. That's Jesus's, uh, you know, half brother came out of the same womb, uh, obviously from a different seed. Um, but he's writing this and he says, praying in the Holy spirit, building up your most holy faith. And a first century Jew as soon as they hear the word most holy, the, the next word they're going to put after that is most holy place. The most holy place was the place where the Shekinah glory of God dwelt. It was the place where God spoke from the mercy seat. And it was the place where God brought revelation and where his glory and his presence rested and where he communicated with the high priest. And this is important because you're building up your most holy faith. This is your spirit, man. This is not your soul. This is your spirit, man. You're building your spirit, man. You're bodybuilding. And this is, this is critical because the enemy is always going to attack you. And he'll attack your soul. And he'll attack your body. But what he's really after is your spirit. Because your spirit has eternal life and he doesn't. So he's trying to disconnect your spirit from God. So that you cannot be in fellowship. So that you cannot be in communion. So that you cannot be in union with God. So that you have nothing for the world. And the world has something for you. So praying in the spirit is a vast advantage that believers have to build themselves up if i said to you right now that you could do this and and this will help you build wealth if you wanted wealth you you would you would you would take you would take into consideration what i'm saying if i said well this is what you have to do to build your bench press anyone who wants a bench press that is bigger than theirs right now they're going to do it Anyone who wants to grow strong in their faith and in their spirit will pray in tongues. And you may say, well, I don't do that now. If you ask the Lord in faith, and if you'll press into him, he'll give it to you. And you will be able to use that language to communicate with God directly and to stay edified. Because if you are not edified, how can you edify other people? I mean, like, how can you... How can you make a donation on a card that has no money in the account? You know, 
you cannot write a check with nothing in the account. So it's incredibly important for you to be in the word and to pray in the spirit and worship will shift when you sing in the spirit. There's a shift in worship when you sing in the spirit. And th this is something that if you do this, you will live differently. The other day I was in a meeting on the way from a meeting to a meeting. I'm praying in tongues on the way. I don't have a lot of time. I don't know what I'm getting myself into when I go somewhere and I get into something. And so I'm praying in tongues because I don't, I just need God. And I want to go to that meeting full of God, not full of me. Because the last thing people need is more of me. They don't need more of me. I don't need more of me. Uh, they need more of God. And so this is something to consider as you transition, as you travel, as you drive, as you move. Pray in the spirit. Let me continue. Um, otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen? In other words, how can someone say amen to a tongue that they don't even know what you're saying? Which that's important that you you what you amen is is important. So don't just amen something you don't you don't you don't agree with or you don't know what it what is what is being said. At the giving of your thanks, he who does not understand what you say. 17. For you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. Watch what he's about to say in 18. I thank my God that I speak with tongues more than you all. <laughs> um it's a crazy statement. He's saying, I thank God that I speak in tongues more than you all. He this is this is so this statement is loaded. And it could mean that he thanks God that he's able to speak literally more languages than them, which is true. He spoke a bunch of different languages. He was hand-selected by God to fulfill a specific purpose. And God, from his mother's womb, was preparing him. And all of the natural things that he went through were then assisting the call and the purposes of God on his life. So this could mean, I thank God that I can speak Latin. Aramaic, Greek, and, and Hebrew, and, and uh, you know, I thank God that I speak more languages, more tongues than you, or it could also mean that I thank God that I pray in the spirit more than you, which also would make sense, because he was always traveling, and when you're traveling in the ancient world, you don't have an iPad, and so he, he was probably not watching Netflix on the plane, but he was probably praying and reading and, you know, speaking to people and disrupting everyone uh wherever he went because he didn't have you know headphones and, and an ipad so he, he was just you know you're stuck it was a hostage situation with paul so i thank my god that i speak in tongues more than you all yet in the church i would rather speak five words with my understanding that i may teach others than ten thousand words with a tongue so he's saying that when you're speaking to a whole group of people five words that people understand is more valuable than ten thousand words that people don't understand this is important. Verse 20, brethren, do not be children in your understanding. However, in malice be babes, but in understanding be mature. Speaking of having a pure heart, but not having a dull mind. Having a sharp mind, but having a pure heart, which is which is something. Only God can do that. Because most people that have pure hearts, are they're, they're like, there's a few screws loose here. And then people that have a good mind, you know, their heart is not good. Only God 
can bring an alignment and an agreement between the heart and the mind and really make it one. And it's guarded by peace in Jesus Christ. Only, only God can do that. Usually something's lacking without God. Okay. 21. In the Lord is written uh, with men of other tongues and other lips. I will speak to this people. And yet for all that, they will not hear me. <laughs> God's people. All right. Verse 22. Uh, Therefore, tongues are a sign not to those who believe, but to the unbelievers. But prophesying is not for the unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues and there comes in uh, those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you are out of your mind? So it's like if you if you come into a Pentecostal you know prayer meeting and everyone's going, da, 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 screaming and yelling and you're an unbeliever, you're going to come in like, yo, these people have literally lost their minds. And I mean, it kind of looks crazy. Now, if you are a believer and you guys are all praying in the spirit, it, it's it's fine. But someone doesn't know what's happening that doesn't they don't see that in that way and you see that peter addresses this same issue this is not a new issue by the way peter addresses the same thing on acts chapter 2 when he stands up and he says these men are not drunk like you suppose which was saying to them that uh they're not drunk but he says this is what joel the prophet spoke about that in the last days i'll pour out my spirit on all flesh so apostles and and people who have responsibility are the ones who can articulate clearly with clarity what God is not doing and what God is doing and give a scriptural understanding of the present thing that is happening. This is very important. That's how you know the scriptures were open to Peter because he had that insight. And guess who God spoke to? Peter. Guess who God spoke through? Peter. Guess who God was going to hold responsible? Peter. So God is speaking to the person that he's going to hold accountable for the situation. All right, we're almost done. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever, an uninformed person comes in and he is convinced by all, he is convicted by all, and thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. So falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Okay, so this is important because the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of, of Jesus, Revelation 19.10. And so basically he's saying, if someone worldly comes in and you read his mail, you give him some words of knowledge about his current condition or where he came from or what's going on in his life, he's going to fall down. He's going to know that the living God is among God's people and he's going to produce worship and surrender and submission to God. And the guy is going to know that God is among his people. That is the, that is one of the expressions of prophecy. It's the testimony of Jesus. And it testifies that God is in the midst of her, speaking of the church, and she shall not be moved, that God is among his people. And he's speaking and he's dwelling and he's tabernacling and he's living among his people and someone who is not part of the family yet walks in and gets their mail read so that they can then become a part of the family. So real prophecy produces real worship. This is important. Um, so th th this is so he, he speaks about prophecy in the context of edifying the church. He speaks about tongues in the context of edifying the individual, he speaks about someone praying in tongues and asking for an interpretation so that they can have revelation and understanding of what they didn't understand before. And now he's talking about, 
you know, an unbeliever comes in and sees people having a Pentecostal fit, he's going to be like, whoa, I'm out of here. And then he shows you the opposite end of that same coin of an unbeliever walks in and gets prophetic words, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, and then it produces worship and the secrets of his heart are revealed. So that's that's a very, very important thing to understand that that's also one of the expressions of prophecy is that it reveals the secret things that are in people's heart. And, and many times that happens when the word is preached. Many times that happens in conversation. It doesn't just happen when someone looks at you and points at you and gives you, I know what you did last week or last summer. It happens just many times where God's spirit finds an entrance point and what is being spoken is completely relevant to the hearer. And they feel that God is speaking to them directly because the secrets of their heart are being revealed. And that could happen in a public setting or it could happen in a, in a more private setting. But it's it's the point of God revealing that he is among his people and that God knows what is going on on the inside of someone and he cares. And so... I'm going to go to 26 a little bit more and then I'm going to I'm going to pull back here. So how is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let two or three, uh, two or at the most three each turn and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in the church. And let him who speak, uh, let him speak to himself and to God. In other words, pray, pray. Like if there's not someone to interpret the tongue, just pray in the spirit. It's okay. You can do that. No one, no one's putting any pressure on you. Now, I want to jump back up to 26 because Paul makes a, um, we all have presuppositions in life. But his presupposition here is that believers actually spend time with God and actually come to church not just to get something, but to give something. And I'm like, Paul, have you been to church, Paul? Um, you are believing the best about people. You are, um, you know, I, I, have you been to church? And and he, so he's speaking to them. It's kind of like when someone speaks and they believe the best about you. Um, he's saying to them, when you come together, he's giving them an ideal to shoot for, to reach for, that you would come with something to give instead of just something to take. Here's the, here's, here's the thing. Let's say we invite everyone and we say, we're going to have a potluck dinner and you all bring something. And everyone comes and no one brings anything except we'll use Joseph. Jo he, he doesn't usually come empty-handed. Joseph comes and he brings something and everyone else brings nothing. Now, the quality of our dinner is no good because people came to take, not to give. But now, watch this. If everyone brings something, people will leave with something. But if everyone brings nothing, everybody leaves with less. And this is not this is not an indictment as much as it is an invitation to reframe and rethink how we assemble ourselves together. 
In, in other words, let, let's let's make this not just about a church gathering. Let's say two brothers are going to coffee. Before you go to that coffee, before you go for coffee, think about something valuable or encouraging that you can share with the other person. Don't just go there and complain and tell them how difficult your life is, how much pain you have, how hard it is for you, how nobody understands you, how, how you know. But actually think about what can I share with this person that will encourage them and refresh them. You can even challenge them if you love them. But think of how you can add to somebody when you get together with somebody. If you're someone that every time you meet with someone, it's to take, eventually you're going to get blacklisted by people. People are going to be like, bro, I don't I don't want to hang out with him or her because it's always like needs and taking and complaining versus edification. I'm coming to bring something to the table to encourage the people at the table because it's the Lord's table. They're the Lord's people, and we're here to encourage one another and edify one another and the purpose of tongues edify yourself the purpose of prophecy edify the body and if we pursue love gifts will pursue us and if we stay edified we'll be able to edify and to encourage others and if we come to the church meeting full we'll overflow and uh that is that is the truth and i'm sticking with it Thanks for listening to the Rescue Church podcast. We would love to see you in person. For more information, visit rescuechurch.tv slash invite.